Hello, you're listening to Putting Up with Aaron Michael Marsh. Point. Because my tutor is in Mexico, and so we have to connect through Zoom. So every once in a while, we have to go that way. But I haven't done Zoom other than that since I did like a Zoom comedy show. And I was like, well, I'm done with comedy now, I guess. Is that why you quit? You were like, that's it. If this is Dude. where it's going, I'm done. Truly, that's f- for sure. That's why I quit Tick- TikTok and and Zoom comedy or why I was like, no fucking way am I doing this. <laughs> no fucking yeah. way. Yeah. Okay. But I'll say this about these things. You don't have to do the things you don't like. Yeah. Some people just stopped doing Zoom shows. And then when this thing started opening up, they went back out. Perfect. Great. They're there. Yeah. Some people don't do TikTok. I have a TikTok that only puts up clips of this podcast. Oh, that's cool. Because you go, hey, why not? Yeah, I think it was it was so weird because I just like saw people. I didn't know how to keep up because the only thing I knew how to do was get on stage. And so like that's the first like that was the first thing in my entire life that I was like, I knew at like at least towards when the pandemic hit, I was like, I know for a fact that I can get on stage and I can Mm -hmm. be comfortable on stage. I didn't I wasn't 100 percent confident that I could make people laugh, but I was like, at least I can like make people quiet and I can be comfortable. (laughs) You know I mean? like it some was people like, only learn that part They're yeah like, you know like, what yeah and it. and i can be like i was like i can be up there and like confident that's it mm-hmm. even if i was bombing i was like okay i can be there but then once i got on like zoom and all that stuff i was like oh my god this is so and i like tried to make skits and do all that shit like chimber does and i was like i just can't fucking do this so well that's different because it happened naturally for chimber just it because it, you watch yeah. somebody else do it well doesn't mean like oh i need to hop on that gravy train you know like no you wait for the thing that fits you and you run with that thing. he was always doing that um that cooking with maddie stuff too so he kind of had like the groundwork for it and he's oh, just yeah. like he's so clever that it just like worked and and he's also dynamic with his editing and i don't know he he fit into that role really well yeah i, yeah, I was really shocked at how well he did with that too yeah although yeah. I was really happy that Ian Ira Russo started a cooking show. Ian Russo started a cooking show? What is and he it do? was awful. <laughs> like the first yeah. episode. I was going to say, what did he do? Did he just like mash stuff together? And I was like, do this? <laughs> Let's see if I can still do my Ian Russo impression. Oh, God. I don't remember what he sounds like. Uh, fuck. I used to do You're all a bunch of hacks. Yeah, like he... Um... <laughs> no, his cooking show was he opened up a can of Hormel chili and put it in a pot and heated it up until it bubbled. <laughs> and then the next one, he did a different thing with Hormel chili. It was like, he just put it on white bread after it bubbled. But I was like, you should just do every episode where you just heat up Hormel chili, like 20 episodes where the guy has one food on the diet. That is an art piece. Yeah. Cause yeah. at that point he's very avant-garde. So I feel like he would be, he would be good at that. Here we go. Today we're going to warm up. <laughs> there you Hormel go. Yeah. Chili. <laughs> Yeah. Episode 20, you guessed it, another can of chili. I bought 40, so we're going to be here for a while. Today on Chili Hour with Ian. <laughs> exactly. Wait, so how did you discover stand-up? Um, I was a huge comedy stand growing up. Like, I think my first comedy CD was Feeling Kind of Patton by Patton Oswalt. Sure. And my brother bought it uh, right before we went on a road trip with our family. I was probably like 12 years old 
and we just listened to it on the way uh, to, I want to say we were going to like Southern Utah and it just, I don't know, dude, it just changed my life. I was like, this dude is a fucking genius. And um, it was sad because now he's like redacting all of the good jokes that he told and shit, like retroactively 20 years later, he's like, sorry, I said that thing. It's like, what the fuck? Like, it wasn't even that bad. Like he never said anything that mean. Digress. Um, Exactly. And we're all living different times, by the way. Like when people got mad at going back and watching Eddie Murphy's stand up in the early 80s. Yeah. Yeah. You you can't get mad. That's what at the time he was feeling as a 22 year old. It would be weird if he was 55 and like coming out and being like, this is my feeling on the gay culture of the 80s. You're like, we don't need that now. He also is funny because there was also rumors of him uh, hooking up with transgender women back then. Like yeah. there's a lot of like a lot of things like that. So you have to wonder if it was a lot of like repressed stuff. But um, yeah, like stand up was always in comedy in general. I was always such a geek for it. Uh, yeah. So like I loved Adam Sandler movies and I loved uh, um, Patton. And then I, I loved like even Dane Cook and stuff back then was awesome. And so I just always and and Mitch Hedberg was always a huge one for me too. Um, but yeah, I was always super interested in it and never thought I could do it. And then I started doing it in like 2017, 2016. Um, in Los Angeles? You started there? No, I started in Utah. Okay. Yeah. So I started in Utah. I did it for like six months that I just went to LA. Mm-hmm. And I was with my ex-wife at the time and she was doing eye, uh, eyelashes and, and uh doing hair and she was just like yeah i guess we'll go and we ended up going i i did a lot better than her in terms of like fitting in i feel like Mm -hmm. i found a place in la and then obviously our relationship ended Um, yeah again that was like the you know just being able to like fit into it was it just felt natural at the time can i ask a question about that yeah did stand-up get in the way of being a fulcrum in the marriage or was it because like starting stand-up takes up so much time yeah i don't know how relationships last in it so do you think stand-up played a part in that or is it totally something different which i won't dig into any further i think for sure it did because i was like i think there was a couple elements to it i think she was at a crossroads with her career Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't think she loved what she was doing i don't think i don't think we loved like obviously we didn't love each other and we didn't like being together after a while mm. just extremely unhappy with where she was yeah and to top that off she hates where she is i love it and i'm doing it for you know six to eight hours a day and so it's like i would try my hardest to like spend the time with her that i could but then i'm like stoked on this thing so you see if you're already in an insecure position and you see somebody like your partner, especially excelling or like at least being happy. It's not. Fun. No, I get that. Yeah, exactly. You're like in misery and your partner's excited living a new life and they're like loving it. And you're like, well, we should be in the same experience. We're married. Yeah. And conversely, I see her being miserable. And it's like at the time I take it as an affront or like a, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to be happy when you get home and there's always like a, you know what I mean? And yeah. Which probably helped with you staying out for six, eight hours. Yeah, for sure it did. Yeah. And it was just, man, I was just so in love with the process too, that it was like, I don't know. Yeah. So for sure, I think it played a part. So random question about the six, eight hours. 
is at the time I saw you mostly at those like pay to play mics, you know, $5 or five minutes. How did you afford to do that six to eight hours a day, seemingly six to seven days a week? Yeah, I um, so I am really lucky with my with my job situation where like I have a company with my family where we own property. So I get we we have like a kind of a deal where we just own a couple of buildings and bought them when I was really young, uh, just kind of fit in. So I get a small amount or at the time I got a small amount. I've, I've been more active in the process as time has gone on, but I got a small amount and that was just my paycheck for the month. But I mean, I, I would spend most of my money going out. And, yeah. Uh, and that makes sense. No. So it was through passive income. And so yeah. you took advantage of having it. Cause why wouldn't you? Everybody would. That's why everybody yeah. wants passive income. And that was, and I was just so determined to get good that I didn't, I wasn't picky about the mics that I would do. And I wanted to stick to a schedule. I just got to be such a stickler for the schedule. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll go do a mixture of both of the Burt's and the fourth walls and the whatever mics. So usually my deal was like, I would go start at like a Burt's or a fourth wall at five. And then I would make sure I did two of those. And then I would do two uh, um, like bucket mics. Or I would yeah. do like I would go to haha or do whatever. And that way, like I would for sure get 10 minutes. And then if I had to go to the improv later and like I waited and I didn't get up, at least that day I will have gotten 10 minutes for sure. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah. So I had the money set aside and it was like, fuck it, like I'm gonna get the time. And but um yeah, looking back, it's really cool to see that I paid, uh, you know, Rachel's way out to Austin to become a Vision Quest leader or whatever the fuck she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I asked her to do this podcast. And she was like, another time. I still don't want to talk yeah. about all the things. Yeah, right. It's yeah. Um, Josh. Uh, oh, what's his last name? Fuck. I always forget. Uh, Which Josh? I, oh, Edelman. Edelman? Yeah, Edelman, uh, his, um, I can't remember, he, when I posted that comment about my stand-up and not doing it anymore, he had, like, the funniest joke he sent back to me about purse. Um, I can't remember what the fuck it was, but it was hilarious. I'm just sure it was inside baseball. Uh, no, it was just a jab at how often I was there. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I tried to be, like, I feel like I was everywhere. Um, yeah. He, I feel like you were everywhere. It was like all of a sudden you were just all over the place. So I was like, well, I got to, when I see a new face show up that heavy, I feel like I have to get to know that person. I tried. I just tried to be, you know, undeniable, I guess. I, he said, Pete quits comedy and Bert shuts down. Coincidence? I think not. And then I said, I can only hope my contributions are still funding Rachel's microdose regimen and festival or microdose and festival ticket regimen. Yeah. I, uh, I have to imagine she's gone through that there has to be yeah good for her I did happy. yeah well there's a thing and that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is there's a thing where people go into comedy they hit it hard a couple years later they just stop and then they make a different life choice and it seems to work out for them almost every time it feels like there's this training ground in stand up not, not just taking you to stand up it helps you like in other regiments of life, which is why I wanted to eventually, I wanted to get there eventually, but I did want to talk about your departure of standup. You said, was it mostly pandemic based or what? Do you think it was, sure it was. burnout? 
if there was no pandemic, I would have still been doing stand-up and still been living in LA. I'm 100% convinced of that. But I also don't think I would have been happy and I don't think I would have been in the relationships that I'm in now. And I don't think I would have been like a healthy individual. Well, so, that's what, also what I wanted to go is like, but you wouldn't trade those spots. No. Like where, like where you were then and where you are now. No, because the benefits that I had of stand-up, because there are so many things that I don't have now that I had when I was doing stand-up that were mm-hmm. things that like in that time were things I had never had before. So like when you think about what you have with stand-up, you have, you have a job, essentially. Um, even if you're not getting paid, you have that regimen of like going to a place and doing mm-hmm. a thing every single day. So you have a purpose. That's a huge thing that like fucking nobody has. Um, you have a social infrastructure just built in. I mean, like you, you go, you interact with people just by nature and you're all seeing each other eat shit. So like you just become close to these people, even if you're not close to them. Yeah. I remember I had some of the best conversations of my life with these people. I consider good friends outside of the improv and then maybe talk to them twice ever again. But every time I saw him, it was like, we just were copacetic. And that's still going to exist. When I run into people I haven't seen in eight years from stand-up, you're just like, oh, no, I need to know what's going on. Yeah. In fact, uh, I just saw a picture of a guy that I haven't seen in that long, and he's a chef. Oh, wow. That's wild. Hell yeah. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like I've watched three or four people turn stand-up into being chefs. Oh, that's funny, man. Yeah, it's it's, um, there's a lot of things you don't get in any other path that you get with stand-up. Um, but like, as far as what I have been like rewarded from walking away from it, mm-hmm. it's in the long term. I just, it was not a sustainable thing because it allowed me to dig deeper into the shit that was really making me unhealthy. Cause like sure. the more you get rewarded for the darker shit that you say, cause my jokes weren't like, I was like edgy, but like my jokes were really like, I put all the shit out there that was happening to me. And like the darker the jokes, typically the more laughs I would get. So I was getting rewarded for that negativity. And I have you noticed that dark comedians don't have long careers? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm not, that's not to say like I'm better now because whatever, or like I just, I didn't have a good sense of self. So I was, oh, I'm getting accepted. And I had never been really accepted before. And so my conception of it, or my my conception of it was like, oh, I'll, I'll like heal this way. And then I was like getting more dug into the bad habits that I had because it was like, well, why would I change? This is, it's fueling my career. So, you know. Yeah. And that's why I think they do have shorter careers is that they are now searching for darker angles because it's about changing the perspective on a thing. Yeah. You're showing your perspective. And if your perspective is constantly looking for something that is negative, it's hard to stay there in a healthy manner, as opposed to if you're looking for something a little bit brighter about the negative, it's helping you survive. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it was, was I just started looking for like the darker shit was the funnier shit. And so, cause that tends to be how it is. Cause most people can relate to that, but that's like how, I kind of came about this realization that like, I always thought that that was the way you were supposed to relate to people was like talking shit and like, yeah. and then my wife, there's no wrong way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife was like, Hey, you know, most people don't just talk shit. Right. And I was like, Oh, 
fuck you know what i mean like because i would just, <laughs> I would just open with the negative and she'd be like you're kind of a dick sometimes about stuff like it seems to you like you because like i was so used to getting bullied as a kid and stuff that like i would like walk into a room and i would be prepared for somebody to talk shit so i would always prepare to talk shit back or at least mm-hmm. have a barb where i could say oh fuck them because this so like i was always looking for looking for like a weapon because i thought people were going to attack me and so i think i just was always just negative in general and isn't stand-up just turning that against them where you're like you're going to control it you're not even allowed to talk to me when i'm talking shit to you yeah yeah it's really it's a it's a wild dynamic and i mean like i i think a lot of people are able or some people are able to sustain it Mm -hmm. and and do it in a way that's not destructive but like like you said i mean the people who take negative tones on the stage i mean like it's not like they have wildly amazing longevity careers like what's one thing you hear about all these comics and that's this is not to say that it's like you should quit comedy it's like if that's what you're cut out to do just fucking do it but like i mean what do you hear about a lot of these comics like they have tortured horrible sad lives and it's because it's like they're they don't know how to resolve those issues and then they get rewarded for them on stage um but it I mean, it works for them monetarily. Uh, so what else do you do? Sometimes. I wouldn't yeah. say, if you look at the ones that are the most profitable, they're not the darker ones either. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like the road dogs are the There's ones. this weird thing with the dark comics. I feel like they're doing like this weirder, grittier work. And so it means more. And you're like, it's all equal. Yeah. Cause I always, I always idolized the guys who were like, cause all I wanted to be was all comedy was to me was a vessel to like gain confidence and be funny. And I thought everything would fall into place later on. And so I was like, all I wanted to do was like, which it might've. Yeah. You weren't in it long enough for it to fall into place. (laughs) It's true. And like, again, I'm convinced. I think I would have done pretty well. I started getting good gigs. I had Uh a tour built, um, I did the store. I did uh, the the lab. I, you know, I did a couple of things that I was really proud of. And I started to kind of get that, like a little bit pushed forward. Yeah. You were getting tension. It was cool. Yeah, a little bit. And at least, and like, it's hard to explain because people were like, were you, would people talk to you? And it's like, no, you only know, like, if you're in comedy, like where you're making kind of a step forward where like, maybe somebody would have been like, hey, you should listen to, or you should keep an eye on Pete. It was like at that point, um, but it wasn't anything that you could really measure. Um, but yeah, like it just, uh, I don't know. I always idolize the guys like Kyle Kinane and and Stan Hope, these guys who are just uh-huh. like isolated, but also had these like cult followings. And we're also like comics, comics, like they, all the comics know them and respect them, but like, they're just funny. They're just funny people. Oh yeah, no, for sure. We, I like, think we all love them, but they are also all on the outside of yeah. the business. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's um, yeah. Dan, Dan Soder is a guy like that too, who deserves so much more than he gets. And like all these guys who just are not afraid of industry stuff. Like they're just, uh-huh. Be like fuck you i don't care and i think the guy who's gone the furthest by doing it is is well maybe like jay okerson is still kind of an outsider and he's he's pretty fucking big 
Um, but I you're saying that, but I'm like, but none of these people are names. That's true. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it is all, all All respected, all respected. But like my non-comedian listeners are like, I don't know any of these people. Man, that's wild. I know it's crazy. Cause when you talk to people, especially like even at a comedy show, if you're like, if I'm opening at the improv, like somewhere else in a different city and people are like, I love comedy. I see it all the time. Like I always ask who your favorites and it's always the top three, top four people in the world. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. That's they never dig in deep. There's never like a big J, you know, they're just like, Oh no, no, no. I like Chappelle. I like Chris Rock. I like, you know, and you're like Kevin Hart. They're like, all right. Super guessable. I should have, I should have just guessed your favorites. Which is funny because it just is like, I guess I think I would have gotten, yeah, like it, it, their crowd is enough because they sell out wherever they go. But it is a lot of like, it's cult following. It's like the same people who love, you know, uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? If you ask a person like, have you seen Wet Hot American Summer? Like nine times out of 10, they're going to be like, no, I've never seen that movie. Yeah, like, but that one is like, I love it. I've watched like, it a hundred times. Yeah, or like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You're like, you're like, you know Spicoli? And they're like, no, I don't know who the fuck that is. But then the one guy is like, fucking love Spicoli. I fucking love him. So, yeah, I guess. But that was always the stuff I idolized more than like the big names. Of course. Uh, I wanted to ask what skills do you think you picked up during that time period that you are still now using in your life and you think it helps you excel? Because it seems like you, I, we haven't even mentioned that you've gone into food. Yeah. You're a chef now. And you're excelling at what you're doing and you're excelling social media wise at what you're doing. It, that's, that is very kind of you to say, that's all very relative. And I am, a, a, I'm a nerdy home cook at best. I would not. Yeah. Comment. But then you post a picture of a hamburger and you go, Hey, I'm going to make these tomorrow. Who's in? And the comments are like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm is, in, I'm I, in. I try. Yeah. And it seems but like that's savvy. Yeah, I guess. I, I think I'm just like, I know how to tap because I've, I've started little businesses before. So I know how to tap a market um, and kind of create a hype for something. Um, but as far as what comedy did, I think I'm definitely more confident in speech. And then it, in terms of like interaction with people, I'm not afraid to go into a crowd. Whereas before I was really withdrawn. Yeah, uh, I think that's one of the main things that helps is you learn how to talk with people instead of at people which yeah. most people that are non-comics can't seem to do so you can create a strong bond with somebody fast in a conversation yeah but, and you make them comfortable while doing so because you don't tense up because you're talking to a stranger yeah and then i think it was a combination of the pandemic and comedy made me stop really giving as much of a fuck what people were other people were thinking and doing and mm-hmm. I can focus on just like, just myself. So like, I used to be really hyper aware of like, oh, is he staring? Is he doing whatever? And now I just don't really, I don't really know. Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. at all. I just don't notice. And if somebody does something that I'm just kind of like, ah, oh, like it makes me sad, but I'm just like, I used to be like really quick to be pissed off and, and never yeah. much anymore. I'm pretty Yeah, I've watched you chill out a lot. When I first saw you, you seemed very tense and angry. Yeah. But I think I think that's a good assessment. I don't know. I don't know if it's because life is beating me down a little bit more or <laughs> if it's like, you know, because it's all all good shit has happened to me out of the stuff. The, the for sure is rough. Well, when I met you, you're um, you're going through marriage trouble. You're still married. You're still trying to work it out. And yeah. so, like, I think there was some of that that you just carry with you because you want it to work, you know, like and so you're carrying this cloud with you. 
Yeah. And once that cloud left, you were able to be like, okay, I need to reassess Pete. Yeah. I th- yeah. I think that's safe to say. It just was like being, getting comfortable with myself was the biggest thing, I think. Yeah, for sure. I Click think it. you did in that time period through this process. Uh, I want to ask you about, because you make that big Facebook status, the going away letter, the two week notice, yeah. the resignation from stand up. I've always found it funny when people do that because they don't have to at all. But also, like you were saying, it's like, oh, this is just easier than explaining it as people ask me one by one. Yeah. So, like, was that, like, at what point did you go, you know what, I'm just writing a whole open letter to the comedy community? It was, a lot of it was less the comedy community because I feel like of all the people who understood my not doing comedy anymore, it's comics. Like, mm-hmm. like it's rare you would find a comic who, if I were like, I don't do stand-up anymore, they'd be like, oh, why? First of all, because they're like... <laughs> they're like first of all the first thing that comes to their mind is good get the fuck out of here that's more stage time for me and and second it's like i get it like it's it's a rough and it's also just not for everybody even the ones that are good at it i've met people that are good at it they quit and they're just like you think i should have stayed i was like no because you wanted to leave yeah and i i feel like some of the like a lot of the people who still hung around and who i still talk to like they're even if some of them I never see in person again, there's some of the, like the best people I've met. And so I think a lot of them were just more, I was genuinely surprised by how many people were like so supportive and just like reached out like random people who I met once or twice at, at mics or whatever. Um, but uh, sorry, the question was th- that. Uh, I mean, it really was, what was the breaking point of it? And if you wanted to like summarize it down for the people who don't know you, yeah, I um, I think the breaking point was just getting, like, just fielding all these questions from people who didn't get it, and yeah. like people who would who kept kind of like I felt like it was almost like they wanted me in this place. No matter how hard I would explain, like I was at my most miserable when I was doing comedy, and I don't want to go back and do it. My parents would ask me about it, like my brother, my family, like people who were close to me, they'd be like, oh, but you should just go back. And for me, it was just like, no, you don't understand. Like, I don't, I just don't want to hear that question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Move on. I want to move to the next thing. So I couldn't do that with people constantly putting me back in that place. And I had turned that chapter. So it was just more of like, hey, just so people know, like, I'm not going to entertain this question anymore. And I realized like, I, I'm very happy that my jokes made you happy if they did, mm-hmm. but also like, I'm just trying to move on with my life. It's Cause it's just like for anybody who's ever left a career, like all the fuck they deal with is like people asking why they left that career. Yeah. It's just, all they want to do is just move on to the next career. My brother was a physical therapist and now he writes code and is like, a computer guy and all people ask him about is like, what'd you leave physical therapy? He's just like, fuck you. That's why. Like it just is. So yeah, it was just, it was the constant questions about it and the constant, like, well, you made, you were funny. You should do it because you were funny. And for me, that was always like a, Hey, like fuck my happiness. Right. Like I should go back and, and do it even though I'm like, well, it's also like, it's the same as like, you're tall. You should play basketball. And you're like, yeah, I don't the- like basketball. And you're like, but you're tall. Yeah. And it was just, it didn't matter what I said. Like they just, you know, so I felt like it was more of just like to get it out there and be like, 
this is something where the next time I get asked about it, I might just be like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I just don't yeah. want to. Although it's funny to me about that is I asked you like three times before that to do the podcast and you said no every time. Yeah. And then you did that. And you're like, so I'm done. Don't ask me you about your shows and your podcast. I'm like, I still want to talk to you. I didn't say that. I didn't say don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I still do podcasts. Podcasts are fun. Yeah. And then my, I'm on, yeah, like it's, it's funny. Cause like my podcast never took off and I totally forgot. Like, I just, I'm just a guy who like, if I'm done with something, I'm just done with it. Yeah, no, I get that. But in my mind, it was like, no, no, but now you have a well-rounded perspective on what that period is of your life, yeah, yeah. which is interesting to talk about. Yeah. And despite the fact, because like a lot of people on the way out, they're like, no, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm not going to get famous, Aaron. You're like, this isn't about getting famous. This is about talking about your growth as a human through this process. Yeah. And also nobody gives a fuck except my therapist. So like, I, you know, it's yeah. like, I've, you know, I've talked to my wife about it ad nauseum and like my family and stuff. And, um, oh, exactly. Fun. And yeah. when someone else asks you that question, you can just send them a link from this podcast and be like, you know what? This sums it up. There you go. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's perfect. Um, but yeah, it was more of just like, uh, I think I just needed to say that. Like, and I think the people who I'm friends with on social media at this point are people who are active in my life in one way or another. Like, I interact with most of them, you know they like my posts. I like their posts. Like frequently I would consider them to be people who I would actually like hang out with. So I was like, yeah, I think it's important that I say this because enough of them had, had asked me about it. And then also it was respectful for me to like give my perspective on where I was coming from about why I left comedy. And, you know, I, I didn't feel like I owed anyone an explanation, but I wanted people to know. Yeah, and, that makes sense. And then I wanted the peace of mind of just typing out the the thing i think mm -hmm. it, it felt it was cathartic so. yeah it was like a jerry Maguire moment yeah it was coming My initial response to this is like, do I plug Pete's stuff? He's not doing stand-up. He doesn't have a thing to plug. But he still has an Instagram out there, at Pete Solville, spelled exactly the way this episode's spelled. And he did mention somewhere along, I don't remember which one of his social medias, talked about a possible podcast where he talks about cooking. And I remember he was like, I don't know if anybody would be interested in hearing me talk about such a thing. And you're like, who doesn't want to cook better? You know, like, and also... We need more charismatic chefs and stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah, he should. So I'm throwing it out there in case he does that at Peace Oval. At the very worst, you can go look at, I mean, his food porn, I guess is what we call it. His wonderful pictures of him cooking delicious-looking things. Pete Oval, quit comedy. I thank him for it. I think it's great. I think it's a, a very healthy thing for a lot of people to do. Not that I think that it's healthy for everyone to do. But also a lot of people I see go down this path where they're like hurting themselves through their own comedy. And you're like, you don't have to stay here. If it's not healthy for you, please do whatever is best for you health-wise. And people just don't seem to get that because like they're like, no, 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 no. But fame will lead to me getting healthy. And you're like, how? How? How, Sway? So like people, you know, like I definitely see people torture themselves through comedy through the years. And it's not always the best. It's not. 
In fact, when you get to the point where I feel like you're torturing yourself, even if you're supposed to be doing it, take a break. Take a break. Everyone just talks about the grind. They don't talk about the mental grind of all of life means so much more. So I'm really happy that he had this good talk about what it's like to leave and how it's okay and how life is still out there and existing and how he's still happy. You know, he's got happiness. He's got a beautiful family and he's got a good life. Love it. I, um, when I first asked him on, it was, it was not going to be about that. But then as it, his life became about that, it's like, Ooh, this is interesting. This is good. Um, next week I have Keith Graber, another chef. Although we don't talk about chefing things at all. In fact, the majority of our conversation is me explaining to him how 911 works. Um, so I'm not sure how much 911 I've actually really covered. I used to be a 911 dispatcher for many years and I mention it here and there, but I don't really go into too many details about the whole thing. Uh, but I do go into some details next week, although not a whole bunch of details about it. I just I talk about how the training for 911 is about liability more than it's about medically helping somebody. And there's a reason, and it makes sense, and we're not trained medical professionals. We shouldn't be. It shouldn't be going in that route. You know, like, it should definitely be the way it is set up. And I talk about that. Um, yeah, that's me. I'm at Aaron M. Marsh, always. It's uh, Right now I'm recording it Monday. So, like, I got a new uh, open mic every Monday where I give you an extra minute. If you do the challenge I put in front of you, this week's challenge is uh, impressions. I love impressions. They're so fun. All right, um, that doesn't matter. By the time this is released, that will have already happened and all those other things. Guys, as always, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. Um, you know, follow me on all my medias at Aaron M. Marsh. Shoot me a Venmo, you know. I did get a Venmo from a listener not that long ago. They just said, Hey, I listened to you all day at work. Uh, here, have dinner on me. And I was like, Ah, oh, I will. I will have dinner on you. That's amazing. Um, and Kenobi's coming back soon. And when Kenobi comes back, the Star Wars podcast's gonna come back. Right now, I'm just watching Moon Knight, liking it. Yeah, I think that covers that covers me for right now. Um, and then, yeah, I don't got to go in any further into that. Follow me at Aaron Marsh. Uh, please, uh, thank you for listening, and, and thank you for putting up with me. Mm-hmm.